Greetings all and welcome to Marjorie Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. This week, we'll be discussing uh, the recent wildfires in California and more specifically, the role of Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, the public utility that's responsible for providing power to millions of Californians. Uh, as most people know, they made a decision to cut power off uh, to a lot of people as a preventive measure, just because after fires in 2017 and 2018, um, it was determined that a cause of the fire was down power lines. So this was a preventive measure, but obviously it's not very easy to just cut off power to people. There are a lot of consequences. There are questions about who's affected and how they're affected. So we wanted to have a conversation about that today. So joining us is one of our favorite people, Kat, who comes on the show all the time, even though it's been too long because she has her own show now, but she made time to come join us. So uh, it's a pleasure to welcome Kat. And with us, as always, is our fearless leader, the person who keeps us sounding good and on task or tries to keep us on task. Eming Piance. No. I stopped in that long time ago. You stopped trying to keep us on task? Well, you still kind of do in a way because, you know, for like I can always read your facial expressions. And I think sometimes I'll think, am I am I talking too much or am I going on a long tangent here? And then I'll kind of like glance over at you and I'll be able to like gauge your uh, the look on I, your face. And I'll say, you know what? I think I, you might I, be reading into that. <laughs> whatever works. Whatever works. That's okay. what I think. Um, so, Kat, this was your suggestion as a discussion. Uh, I think it's very worthwhile. Obviously, many, many people were affected by this decision, and even more people than that have been affected by the wildfires in California over the past few years. Um, but you were directly affected this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me how that started. Did it start with uh, news that the power was going to come off? Uh, talk me through it. Okay. This might be a little dramatic, but this is how it happened to me. So there, I remember. Set the scene up. Set the scene up. Set the scene. And and no drama. We love love drama. Kat was at her work, at her job. She did get some alerts about, oh, PG&E might try to cut off power. Like, it was very, like, non-threatening, very, very friendly. Like, hey, whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then. Where did these notifications come from? I just get it on my Google because my Google likes to just tell me news. Well, you or, can sign up through it through PG&E. Like if you call them and you give them your, that's your, true too. your uh, zip code, they can just like send you. Like I did that too for mine. It kept saying, we might cut your power. We might cut your power. And I'm like, is it happening? When is it right. happening? This is before I even did that. This is when I was, I feel like I wasn't, uh, this was before the whole event. I was a whole nother person. You know, I was just at work. I think I was on my break. I saw uh, an article about PG&E might cut off power for a few days. And I was like, oh, that's so unfortunate. Thinking, oh, that's up north because that's pretty prone. And then I think right before I got off work, it was another article saying it's going to affect Alameda County. And I was like, oh, what does this mean? And it was like tomorrow and if the next few days, like you might, you may or might not have power. So I checked my zip code and it was like, yeah, your your house is in that area. And I was like, huh. So I remember I told my boss, my boss did not know because not only was it going to affect houses, it was going to f- affect schools and businesses. So then she had to find out if 
if like the school I work at was going to be affected. So it's like like dominoes was already set in motion. So then I remember um, the next day, because uh, I, I by that night I already signed up for the text updates. By the next day, I was getting them like every hour. Like your power might go off, your power might go off, and I was like, okay. So then I remember when I got home, like I just rushed home and, um, you know, I started on the way home. I saw like more trucks just being around and stuff. And I remember PG&E trucks, you mean? Yeah, PG&E, PG&E trucks just kind of setting up. Um, T-Mobile even texted me saying your cell phone service might be affected. And I was like, it was happening so fast. And I was like, wait, wait what's going on? It's getting kind of serious. Like wait so we don't have like i didn't know what that actually meant but the more and more i was reading it on twitter and articles i was like wow so they're really gonna cut off like a million people a million people's like power off because they want to make sure it doesn't start fires or anything and i was like okay but when and and when we're gonna get it back no one knew that was the big thing no one knew they were set times for them to turn the power off they did not turn the power off at those set times and then more people were being anxious more people who were like depending on medical devices that needed power they didn't know what to do because they didn't get information either and i remember i power went off that evening because when i woke up i was like oh it's dark okay so day one of darkness okay cool and then i remember maybe the next two days or so we had no power and then then the next one of those days i came home and it just came back on and i was like okay cool we're we're through with this we don't have to like we don't have to deal with this anymore cool and um i remember during those days you know i did read the news that someone did die because they didn't have power to power their medical device um i don't think that was when the fires started there was fires happening but this was before the uh kincaid fire so they were trying to get, but those areas, they didn't have pg and I don't think. So we were like, okay, cool. Uh, crisis over. We can go back to our lives. Then the next week happens and it's like, so pg and might do it again. And I was like, okay, w- what's really going on? You can't just do this. And then people were being angry. You know, the governor got involved. Um, people well, what are, do you think about the idea, though, conceptually? Like, does it make sense if down power lines are causing fires for them to take some kind of preventive measure like this? Does it does it even make sense as an idea to you? No, because I, I just don't understand. I think a lot of my frustrations were a, a lot of things. But my frustration was, you know, as a company, you understand the seasons of this area. You know, there's a wet season and a dry season. You know, the stuff happens in the dry season. I don't understand why they couldn't take precautions in the summer or in the spring, you know. I remember when I lived closer to the lake downtown, they were really trying to focus on putting the power lines in the ground, I guess. And that's cool. But now where I live, it's a very wooded area. The power lines are so close to the trees. Yeah, it's it's it could start a fire with the right elements. But at the same time, they had so much time and so much money. And the people involved, I don't understand why they could have try to attempt or at least trim down the trees or something. I don't know. There was so much opportunity there. And so I find it interesting that in the heart of fire season, we're going to just start shutting power off. And it didn't make sense to me because I was like, well, if the power is off, then I mean, I guess that can prevent 
fires but then i'm like what are you checking for like are you trimming your tree? Like, i don't know what what that part was and then when i heard about how the kincaid fire started the the second round of when the power was out again the power was already off it was like a jumper cable line from some little power center that is within their uh, company started the fire. So regardless if the electricity was on and off, it's they still did it. It still happened. And so that made me even more frustrated. So I was like, so what was this whole thing about? Maybe it saved some lives. Maybe it didn't. But it was just really frustrating that there's a whole company out there that has the power to turn on and off your po- like your power whenever they want. And with almost little to no warning, because it was like a day before it happened and there's no time for preparations or anything. And it was just people were just so angry. I'm still angry. Well, my, yeah, understandably. I mean, I think obviously this was a response to a lot of the criticism that they got two years ago, one year ago about not taking preventive measures. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a better safe than sorry situation. You know, mm-hmm. as as the sign says, when I go visit Rikers Island. Good security is never convenient, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And people are often critical of the measures that we take to prevent something bad from happening, but the bigger risk is that something bad happens, right? I mean, I guess in in terms of trying to measure that and whether it had an impact or not, I think there's some debate about Mm -hmm. whether that made sense or not. But I think pretty universally, people think that it was mishandled whether or not it was the right thing to do mm-hmm. in terms of notifying people um, and taking other kind of precautionary measures to make sure that people who lived in nursing homes, people mm-hmm. who were reliant upon uh, medical devices, as you said, mm-hmm. were notified. And it is pretty crazy to hear from you that, you know, you learned that you might be affected by a push alert, not from, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily PG&E contacting you and trying to get information about when and why and how mm-hmm. was fruitless. I think most of the criticism has been that they just did it so poorly. They rolled it out so poorly that people who were affected didn't know they were going to be affected. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like that's what happened to you, right? Mm-hmm. Very inconsistent information. Um, they so what would it like to be, well, I'm curious what, what the actual, you know, like, what it looks like to be without power. How long did it last? Was it a complete surprise when it happened? Like, how was your life affected? I mean, I grew up in Georgia and I've I've pretty much dealt with extreme weather half my life with no power. So I was, I was okay. I've just never done it here in California where it's more urban here. Even in the wooded areas, it's still, I consider it city because there's way more people and there's way more businesses and cars and stuff. Now, this is where it gets kind of scary. There were reports of uh, there were people who either impersonated firefighters or cops or whoever, knowing that a lot of the houses in the hills would be in the dark. And so there were like there were accounts of people just, you know, burglarizing those houses. And really? so I was terrified because I live in an area where it was super dark and uh, it's a residential family area. So it's prone to people breaking in. So I was terrified for my life. Like, I don't know if someone's trying to break in my house, you know, are we going yeah. to have to have a dangerous situation? Yeah, um, was there, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> about that. Was there an increased like police and fire department presence? Did you see a lot more like police cars, uh, cops out on the street, fire yeah, trucks? Yeah, I like did. That? I did see more cops. They had uh, their vehicles with like LED lights that were just like... Uh, shining and stuff driving through yeah. 
But mm. again, how do I know that they're cops? That was the scary part because from reports that I heard where people were like, you know, they were totally dressed and yeah, right. so that was so just really were, scary. Yeah. That's just scary. And then um, people were, you know, they were looting and stuff. And I didn't realize how many businesses were being affected. I saw videos or clips of like Whole Foods and Safeway. You know, the workers worked overtime trying to save what they could from like the frozen department. Um, Schools were closed. So then I know some people try to get together and do like a little homeschooling group for some kids because they didn't want them to be behind. Um, and then just, there are just centers where if you need to charge your, your stuff or take a shower and everything, like I, I was really happy that Oakland was really working together to make that happen. And I think mm. some, certain areas too, because it was like, we were united through this crazy event and you know, we, we were like, we don't know why this is happening. And then PG&E would ignore everyone's question on Twitter or Facebook. But we'll say, you know, we're doing this because of the winds. The winds are getting going to are going to be crazy. They're going to be 20, 30, 70 miles an hour. And then the day came and it would be 50 miles an hour wind. And we're like, OK. Cool. And then it's funny that when they did turn on the power this the the first time they turned it back on that's when it started to get windy so then i was like uh are they gonna turn the power off or not because now i'm terrified it was really those nights it was like super super windy um and so that was what pge tried to address to us that it's because of the wind and i was like okay i get it but you know i don't know what you're doing i don't know for how long and that's the part i just didn't like um yeah yeah, i mean being in in the literal and metaphorical dark uh it's it's quite a one-two punch Mm -hmm. Uh, and it sounds like well i'm curious if you had much interaction with your neighbors at that time were you guys talking to people or you know were you talking to other people who were affected and trying to get information and and getting a sense of what other people's thoughts were and what they were going through yeah we talked a little bit of our neighbors i remember some of my co-workers who live closer to walnut creek and up north um i know some of them they just went to go stay in a hotel where there was electricity um i know what i did was i just bought a lot of battery powered led lights you know um bought dry food and stuff and you know just waited out it wasn't too bad but then i'm thinking about the people who you know they work from paycheck to paycheck they probably just got paid uh they turned the power off like close to the weekend so it's like uh you you just you just got paid you bought all your groceries you put it in the fridge and then around monday tuesday you hear your power is coming off and then you lose all that food due to your refrigerator not having power so a lot of people i know on Twitter were very angry like I just spent hundreds of dollars on food and I can't eat anything like PG&E yeah. owes that for that and I was like that exactly you know yeah. um I just well, don't you were know. also I mean you said there was a point that you could smell smoke there actually was a fire mm-hmm. that was near to you which fire was mm-hmm. that and how, how close did um, it get so it was a Sunday and our power was out it was like on Sunday there was like five fires going on in the north of us and below us. I think the, I mean, that's when the Kincaid fire was like really just stacking up acres. It was like 60,000 acres at that time. Um, a fire broke up at Lafayette, 
And that's where we start to smell smoke. And then I'll, then we got concerned, like, should we ev- like evacuate? Because it's it's getting really thick, you know, and we didn't know if that was going to start like a spark with trees. We just didn't know. And then there was a fire in Milpitas, which was random, but they too had a fire. And so I was just like, wow, we're kind of in the central of this fire ring. Like, what is... So that was another worry. It's like, okay, so there's no power. Now we're at... Why are these fires just happening, like, here and there and everywhere? It was... It was. It felt like a movie. It felt like one well, of those... Well, was there any... Was there any <laughs> communication there? Like, did you hear anything from PG&E or from local no. government about Twitter. where the fires were? Twitter was, was, was the news for me that week. Like... It's it's like the news people, like the, the, the news that you see on TV, they were the ones updating on Twitter. And I thought that was pretty c- c- cool. But at the same so time, what do you mean, cool? like local networks? Like yeah, were lo- relying, local, okay, so local networks were relying for, on, on Twitter. Twitter in order to get updates from people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that makes sense. So I'm not necessarily making excuses for journalists. I guess my question is uh, why there isn't a better method for communicating information about disasters from a government from local municipalities or from the state you know or from pg&e themselves because it sounds like possibly the main problem here is that there's no way for people to get information mm-hmm. and that's i mean it's dangerous i i was wondering like if people didn't have electricity or even phone service how would they even know what's happening like if they were like living kind of by themselves like how would they know? Mm. I know, like, because, you know, I'm addicted to social media, so I knew Twitter was going to be my news source. And so I would follow just whatever was trending according to PG&E or the California fires. And that's why I was getting my information, like, quick. And it was mm. funny how the local news really encouraged to, uh, they either said download their news app or continue to follow them on Twitter for updates because their account and I think even PGE count on Twitter, they had the little conferences where someone like a representative of PGE would talk about the next steps when they right. actually didn't talk about the next steps. They were just saying stuff that we already knew. It was very redundant. And mm. they were like, you know, hold tight. We we your your power you might be affected, you might not be affected, you know. The power well, at one point the, uh, but, their, their site was down. There was no way to get information. Yeah, that was in the beginning. It went dead. It, that happened, like, because, like, it was the in the very beginning when all this started, a lot of people were like, well, is my house going to be affected? And you would type your zip code and stuff, and the website would crash. So then you were, like, in suspense, like, so do I just wait for it to happen? Or, um, well, yeah, I, have was- a, I have a skepticism of PG&E that goes back, like, almost 20 years now. You can call it a conspiracy theory if you want, but way back around the turn of the millennium, uh, there was a lot of talk about um, just like power, costs for power in general going up, right? So like throughout the state, people were paying like double and triple on their PG&E bills. Uh, And then they had something called rolling blackouts. I don't know if people remember the rolling blackouts. Uh, and it felt, you know, they called it a power crisis. Oh, California's having a power crisis. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, you know, at the time, I think I was like 19 or 20 years old. So it was just like, whatever they said on the news was like, oh, okay, power crisis. You know, I hope we figure it out. But then the Enron scandal broke. And after Enron, 
we learned that, you know, because Enron's whole model was, you know, energy futures, right? So like creating value and like trading on the value and potential value of energy. So it was very profitable for them for there to be rolling blackouts because it made it like a commodity, right? Like, so they were actually tinkering and they were responsible for tinkering with the, so everything that we thought was rolling blackouts, everything that we thought was like an energy crisis was actually being manipulated by people who were making money off of it at Enron, which everybody knows now. I mean, it's like synonymous with being a crooked corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that caused my skepticism. And then I was reminded of that recently because this weekend I watched Monsters, Inc. I don't know if you guys remember Monsters, Inc. That's the perfect tie-in for this. <laughs> but, you know, Monsters, Inc. was a power company. Monsters, Inc. was the PG&E of Monstopia, or whatever the name of their city Monstropolis. was. Monstropolis? Monstropolis, yes, thank you. I knew you'd be there for me. Monstropolis. Um, and there were all, at the beginning of the movie, there are all these headlines about, oh, you know, power shortage, power crisis, uh, which I assume, if you look at the timelines, like that storyline of a power shortage in Monstopia was fully informed by the power shortage, the manufactured power shortage that was going on in California at the time. Uh, so I was reminded of this like long history of um, mismanagement at PG&E uh, and all the questions that get raised by, I mean, they're a public utility, they're a monopoly, mm-hmm. you know, which makes sense in a lot of ways because you can't have, you don't want to have like a bunch of different competing companies setting up competing power lines. Um, but it also puts a lot of power and trust in a corporation. Unfortunately, now, uh, all this happening, um, I do want to talk about the stuff behind the scenes that took place the beginning of this year before all of this even happened. So, you know, like last year we had a similar event where, I think it was the Paradise Fire and how that really just wrecked the whole Bay Area. I mean, a whole town is gone. Like, it's not there anymore. A lot of people, I think, went to Chico. And now Chico has, like, an extra hundreds of thousands of people living there because, you know, there's nowhere else to go. So that's a whole other story of, like, them trying to even keep up with jobs and security over there. Now... Between that, uh, PG&E had to file for bankruptcy because, you know, that's billions and billions of dollars that they owe. But, you know, somehow, you know, through the bankruptcy, they did get the money. They got money back. But instead of doing the right thing or instead of helping the public, because that's what they're supposed to be doing, they paid off their shareholders like hella money. And that's where... I so you know this happened months ago I had no idea this was all you know on the lowdown I found all this out because because you know this all this is happening with the powerhouse I'm like let me just keep reading about PG&E because I'm not a California resident what am I really going against and so reading all this like recent like even the recent notes I was just like oh hell no what and so knowing that i think i read a few days ago because of recent events again they owe like six billion dollars just just like that and so i'm like well can you file for bankruptcy again like what's going to be different this time are those people still going to get that money what i I don't know and then like the ceo of pg&e is very insensitive and uncaring he's just very business-like 
which I guess is cool in the boardroom, but not to the public, not to people who who've lost their homes, that dealt with no power, that lost people who died. And like just like he had a whole article of you know, a lot of people lost their food and and money because of the food from spoiling in their fridge. And this man goes, Well, you guys could just use the food banks in your town. That will help you out. Like, like it was yeah, so that was, easy. it was kind of a uh, let them eat cake situation, right? And so yeah. people were like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, yeah. and so um, who knew a rich CEO out of touch with the needs <laughs> of the people? <laughs> again, it's just like an, again, and, and I'm just like, you know, this man, this company, a lot of people are really trying to rise up on and just talking about what what do we do as a community what do we do next because i found out like alameda Al- alameda island they have their own power they have their own whole power thing running their thing. i was like hold up what what and like i heard i heard that san jose are in talks in doing the same thing so there are cities that are taking uh the initiative to to fight back and just do their own thing and um because they have the power to do that. The state has the power to take that power away from PG&E. It's just a matter of who, how much, how much manpower and all that. But I mean, it's like every day you just you're just in suspense like, okay, what's going to happen next, you know? And on top of all this, you still have to pay your power bill. I just had to pay PG&E 2 days ago and that was not happening. Did you get did you get like a a, a rate reduction for the days you didn't have power? Did you see that on your bill? Uh, I didn't I'd be really curious to see that. You got to pull that. You got to pull hear, that bill out. Get your highlighter. Look I at did the date. Hear, you do get a credit for enduring this, but it's like a hundred dollar credit, and that's that's just it. So I was just like, okay. get some groceries, I guess. That's what I said. I was like, you get some groceries, but. I mean, this 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 just feels like a lawsuit with like you have to tie in your stress and and the gas. Like half my family located relocated San, uh, Sacramento because it was like they just couldn't take all this danger and and the uncertainty. So then you know that's a lot of gas power to go back and forth from Sacramento to here. And um, yeah, it was just it it, it 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 was just a stressful time where we were using our own resources and money way too much for something that's supposed to have our backs, right. I guess. Yeah. Right. Eming, I'm curious uh, what was going on in Richmond during this time. What, what did you guys endure? Um, it was really smoky. You could smell burning everything. Um, I think the worst of it was that first Monday because uh, my work, the school I work at, they decided to close early at noon. So everyone was sent home at noon. Um, was it because of the air quality? Yeah, it was really smoky. Like, yeah. it, it, it smelled like barbecue when you walked outside. Wow. Um, so it just the air was wasn't very good. It just it was just bad. Um, but eventually, I mean, one one thing that someone said to me recently because we live over here is that he was saying like you know, it feels like every year it's getting closer to us. So I feel like like next year it might like literally be outside our backyard door because it just it seems to be like moving uh, every year. So who knows? Soon the whole state might be on fire at this point. Like, I don't know. It is that way. It feels, it feels like it's getting to that point. What about but... power? How how are people with power up there? Um, 
it was weird. Like certain, like like I said, when I tried to look on the PG&E app, I couldn't really get anything. I had to use some other third-party websites to gauge where the power is going to be at. But luckily, I think we're in kind of an area where we weren't affected, but we did have a warning that it might happen. And they would like give us like, by 8 p.m. tonight, your power will be off. So we wait till 8 p.m. and charge all our devices and just wait for the power to go out. And nothing happened. And we every day for like, for like three days or so, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was kind of anxious. Like, even nothing really happened. It was like just the idea of it was a little nerve wracking because it's like, okay, are we going to have enough stuff to eat? Because for us, like everything we have in our house is powered by... by um, Electricity. Yeah. So if we don't have power, we can't cook. We can't eat. We can't do very much. Um, so that was a little concerning. But for the most part, it didn't seem like this area was that affected, just that we could just smell all of the smoke and fumes that were coming and it just the air quality was crap. Right. Well, I heard something interesting from my mom who lost power, uh, you know, because I was curious, oh, are you guys all right? What are you doing? And her takeaway was, you know, she's like, this was like a test run. Like mm. for, you know, it's like there was nothing, there was no disaster happening right now that, that directly affected them, but she got to try out like, what do you do? What is your safety plan when you like don't have power for 24 or 48 hours? And I think it was two days for her, um, mm. which is like, you know, like I said, she's uh, my mom thrives in crisis, you know, and she's very good at like coming up with a plan to get out of a situation like that. And I thought, you know, in some ways that's a good way to look at it, which is like, you know, now, you know, uh, that you're not going to be able to get the information that you need from some kind of government agency about whether your power is going to be on or off. Uh, you may not be able to get the information you need about where a fire is or how close it is to you. Um, so experiencing some of this, you know, in a, like a beta test room, mm -hmm. I guess at least gave her the sense of like, okay, what kind of stuff do we need to think about to take care of the house and, um, considerations for nearby family and all of that, which I feel like, okay, that's fine. But it does seem a little bit apocalyptic to be thinking mm -hmm. that way, which is like, you know, like, oh, well, something terrible is going to happen. But uh, that is kind of how it feels, at least in California. I mean, there are other parts in the world where it's like that, too, because so many things have changed as a, as a result of climate change. Um, but it does have like an apocalyptic feel, which is like, OK, this is not a minor inconvenience. This is kind of a warning. Uh, if, if this is how poorly this was handled when the highest stakes for most people were just the power going out. What happens when there really is a catastrophe and there's no way to communicate things to people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I, is a real question. I agree. Cause that that's where most of my frustration like was towards was just miscommunication, not knowing anything. It's like, okay, I know how to take care of myself and, and, and others, but like, they said, you know, this was supposed to be a period of time, a start and a finish date. We didn't get any of that until it happened. We didn't know what areas it was going to happen was it was going to be affected until it happened. I mean, the funny thing is half of Oakland 
was they had power. Like my job had power. A lot of my coworkers had power. So when I said I didn't have power, they were like, where do you live? Like, why? And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know. It was mostly North Oakland all the way up to like the north part of San Leandro that just didn't have power. And it was just such an odd little area for this part of the Bay Area that just didn't have power. And um, but they didn't really address that that well, you know. It's just like Alameda County, and I'm like, you know, how many cities in Alameda County? So it was just, I'm like, they they could have done it in a way where you know they could have said between this time, this time, your power is going to go out. Kind of like how when you are getting serviced, like from like a cable company, and the person's supposed to come between one and three, I would have been fine with that. <laughs> You're saying. 5 p.m. Waited at 5 p.m. Nothing happened. 8 p.m. Nothing happened. 10 p.m. Nothing happened. Um, 12 midnight. Nothing. So I was just like, is that power really gonna go off? Because like, what? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was like a boy who cried wolf kind of right. thing. Where and you then keep it was like, the power went out. Yeah. At a time, and I was like okay well it went off okay cool but then when it came on it was like there's no time like you would look it up would be like not known or not no estimation or whatever so i was like okay so we're just we're just gonna just wait i guess or whatever and that's where i was like okay but this is jeopardizing people's safety because you know um people trying to hurt people people need supplies people are you know the the roads were just full of just people either trying to get to a better place going to work to charge stuff it was just it was crazy and again if you don't have the stuff to communicate like you don't know what's an area that's safe to go to so it was just it really felt like I was in a zombie movie, unfortunately. I was just going to say zombie movie. <laughs> well, I, what I was going to say is like, I know this isn't our pop culture podcast. I'm not trying to get in on your territory. I already made a Monsters, Inc. reference, but it just feels very, to me, it was like zombie. It sounds like zombie land where it's just like power right. is out. Roads are packed. There's no way to get information. Again, very apocalyptic feeling. And I guess it's probably not an accident that all this kind of stuff is happening in the world. A lot of it in California where Hollywood is. And then so much of our entertainment now is kind of informed by these apocalyptic scenarios. Right. It just didn't didn't help. You know, somebody's going to make a mini series out of this for Showtime next year or something about the California fires and and PG&E is going to be the enemy. Starring The Rock. (laughs) Yes. Like he's going to be the one who comes in saving people from the fires. Oh my goodness! Did you ever do that movie? But he was an earthquake. I thought that was an earthquake. I think that's what inspired it. Was him, you know, responding? I think he's a first that responder. Was, that was a terrifying movie because it's like, but I know where you all that watched stuff it. Is. Of course, I saw it. Why Cat not? Watches, Cat, Cat watches Jackson. everything. It's doing the Rock Jackson. I will watch anything with him in it. That oh was- yeah, I know because you watched Hobbs and Shaw. You watch Hobbs and Shaw because you. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> this will yeah, be a I good want, transition into the other podcast. Just, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you keep trying to bring up Midsummer, by the way. No, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. I but know, but I, I, it was on streaming. I think it's on streaming now, it. isn't it? I have to purchase it to see it. <laughs> right. I want it to be already in a paid service that I've paid for. That you've already paid for. It. Yes, that's how I feel about all movies. Um, this yeah. should be. It should be. I should be able to stream it for free by now. Exactly. Um, All right. Well, I won't start a a pop culture podcast with you guys tonight because I know you have your own 
appointment to do that very soon. But <laughs> I do I do want to thank you, Kat, uh, for suggesting this for a topic. I think it's very important to discuss. I also think it's very important to hear people's firsthand experiences because I haven't heard that much. I mean, most of what I've read um, has been about the failings of the company, and that's important. But, you know, I, I think it's important to hear people's experiences as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you for bringing this to our attention, Kat. You're welcome. It's because I was uh, just so mad and I needed to talk to somebody about it. I was like, I mean, That's what we're here for. <laughs> Anytime you get mad and you want to talk to somebody about it, just uh, schedule a podcast. <laughs> exactly. You're it's right a good there. way to process. It's a good way to process. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So thanks to you, Kat. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Amy Piancae. Uh, and thanks to all of our listeners. Until next time, quest on, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.